0: Welcome to the ENA Podcast.
1: It is the ENA Podcast. This is Dan Campana, Senior Manager for PR and Communications with the Emergency Nurses Association. Welcome you to Seattle. That's where we're at for the Spring Regional Symposium. And I'm honored to be welcoming Sarah Evan simpson one of our presenters, to the podcast today. Welcome, Sarah.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: So Sarah, you presented today on the, your session was called The Dark Side of the Web and Social Media, which uh, whether you're an ED nurse or not certainly seems like a very applicable topic. But before we get to that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what you do, where you're from, and uh, how long have you have been with ENA?
0: So I um, have been an emergency room nurse for 11 years. Um, I work at the University of Kansas Health Systems um, in Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, in the emergency room, I've been there for 11 years. Um, I am also a forensic nurse, been a forensic nurse for nine years. Um, I literally started in the ENA when I was a baby nurse okay. and um, got recruited over by Mike Hastings actually, of course, and um, then have just continued on with ENA and everything. So.
1: Okay. So people hear dark web mainly for credit monitoring commercials and social media. Nobody ever truly understands everything that goes on goes on with it. How did you get to this point where it was something of such interest to you that you want to do presentations on it and you found ways to tie something which is global down to the emergency department?
0: So where it all started was when I, I was actually the sexual assault coordinator um, for our hospital. And during that time um, kind of got involved in the anti-human trafficking movement. And in that, started doing a whole bunch of research about trafficking and then found, of course, the dark web. Um, And I also do, with the human trafficking, a lot of information about social media. And when I do my presentations, I have found that I get more questions about the social media aspect from people than I do almost anything else and so I thought you know what I should do more research about the dark web and social media um, for not only the parents in the room or the brothers and sisters and all that kind of stuff in the room but also for the nurses and the providers in the room.
1: The biggest takeaway that I grabbed from your session was that there's so much that we don't know that we don't know. Right. And so how do you find ways to start to put that into granular bites that people can start to digest really what the magnitude, focusing on the social media side of things, right. uh, focusing on the magnitude of how much there is and how much we truly don't understand about how it's being used for for things that are, are less than good.
0: Right. So when I started doing this research, I found, you know, I'm on social media, obviously. Um, and I sometimes don't practice what I preach. Cause I say things like, you know, you shouldn't post pictures of your kids and make sure your GPS is turned off and all that kind of stuff. And there are times that, I, I mean, I post a lot of pictures of my son. He's really cute. So <laughs> <laughs> I have to post pictures of him. Um, everybody needs to see that. But, um, I, I think that Breaking it down and knowing when I started looking into it, I thought, holy cow, I feel like I'm pretty connected and I know none of this stuff. I've never heard of any of this stuff. And so I knew that if I didn't know about most of it, then most of my peers didn't know about it, too. And so... um, One of the tactics I always try and use is not a scare tactic. I don't ever want to scare somebody away, and I don't think that social media necessarily is a bad thing. I just think that we need to monitor and educate our kids on you know, how to use it properly and what to
1: look for. Sure, because it's a it's a game of cat and mouse, really. Absolutely. What is the most frustrating thing that you found as you've been doing these presentations? Is it just the consistency of what people don't know? Or is it that by the time you've got a good handle on how to describe one thing, there's something totally different, which you're <laughs> just catching up on?
0: Yeah, and, and that's, it's funny that you say that because I I literally had multiple things pop up in the last week that weren't in my presentation that I had to give you know, more feedback on through my presentation because it just is, it's ever evolving. It's ever changing. And, um, like I was telling Rashonda, like kids will find a way they're going to find a way around whatever we are trying to do. And I think that, you know, back in, back in our days, back in, back in the day, it was a Wednesday actually. <laughs> um, we, we used, um, rebellion in a whole different way. And, Our rebellion, I don't feel like, was maybe as dangerous as the current rebellion um, because we weren't putting ourselves out there all the time. Um, But it's that old adage of if your parents tell you not to do it, you're going to turn around and do it um, unless you're completely educated on what it is. You can't just look at your child or look at your, your patient even and be like, you shouldn't do this. These kids these days are so connected and they're so educated that if you don't give them a good reason why, they're not going to listen to anything you have to say.
1: Sure. And the difference today compared to back in the day is that the world is so much bigger. You know, the world world physically has always been the same size, but the world in which we can, you know, one little thing can trickle away from Mm -hmm. you happens so much quicker and so much broader than it ever has before. So in that vein, you talk about, you mentioned human trafficking earlier, which is obviously something that social media is used to recruit or to locate and do those types of things. So talk a little bit about how your interest in in human trafficking, how you began to kind of link that up with things that happen on social media, and then what you've learned going the other direction, these different apps that you mentioned that are used for nefarious reasons. You know, they're crowdsourced, they're GPS-based, and all of a sudden now there's an opportunity for people to go and do bad things because of what they picked up you know, off of what seemingly is an innocent app. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, when I started doing a bunch of research in human trafficking, I really used to think that it was uh, people going over to, you know, Far East countries and abducting people and bringing them over, <clears throat> not realizing that the United States is one of the top origin countries. Um, and so then when I realized that, I started thinking about how are they, gaining access to our children, to our people, and um, then breaking it down and looking, oh, here are some of the top sites. Um, There is a a great guy in Kansas City. His name's Russ Tuttle, and he works for Casey Street Hope, and he does a whole lot of work with the FBI and things like that um, surrounding social media and the Internet and how these kids are being... um, Groomed and how they're being used and um, throughout the internet basically, and so once I heard him talk about that and some of the things that he started teaching, I started doing my own research and thought, oh, this is so much bigger than I could ever be.
1: So even within your community, so you, you mentioned being in a college town and how there are sites that arguably 80 percent of the people in in the room this afternoon, uh, this morning didn't recognize what that site was. So you've mentioned some of those things that. Um, you know, sites that they didn't know about that are being used in the community that you live in, you work in, and they're being used for the, for bad reasons. Run through a couple of the sites that you mentioned, you know, because I think that would be interesting for everybody to understand. Right. This is just the tip of the iceberg, but these are some that you know have been used in certain ways.
0: Yeah, so Kick, Kick Messenger is um, arguably one of my least favorites. It's a GPS-based messaging service. <coughs> Excuse me. Sure. And um, it... You know, when you have GPS-based services like that, it it can automatically cause problems. And you can link up with people who are in your GPS radius and message them. And you don't have to be friends with them. And they can message you. And uh, one of the stories that I uh, talked about today was a guy from Colorado who linked up with this woman on Kick Messenger when she was in Colorado. And um, started messaging her back and forth. And the messages turned into this woman was going to end up selling her five-year-old daughter to him for sex. And so he actually flew to Kansas City to uh, purchase the five-year-old. And when he walked into the situation, it was an FBI sting. So um, the FBI is definitely on all of this stuff. But that was all through Kick Messenger. And um, so it's definitely concerning Um, one of the other ones was Omegle. Um, and my favorite thing about Omegle is the, um, my favorite thing about Omegle is the tagline of talk to strangers (laughs) because we spend our entire lives saying, don't talk to strangers. You shouldn't talk to strangers. And then here's Omegle, like talk to strangers. It's fun. Um, and it's a video based, um, app that you can use on your phone or on the computer, and uh, you can search for things, you can connect with people, uh, but there's a video chat going on. You don't have to have your video on in order to see other people's video, and there's a chat box down the side. Um, And in general, um, some of the videos are just fun videos, but... In the end, there's a whole lot of not fun videos, Um, like I was saying in my talk earlier. um, If you don't search fast enough, you get automatically connected. And the college kids have told me that you automatically get connected to a dick pic. Um, And I still don't understand why you would continue using that website if that's what you get every time. At the end
1: of the day, there's nothing innocent that's happening anymore. Because even the best intentions, someone is going to misconstrue or they're going to take it for whatever their purposes are. One of the other uh, sites that you mentioned was talking about Campus Stories. Now, obviously, every yes. college town faces issues where it's alcohol and sexual assault and things of that nature. Campus Stories kind of takes it to a whole nother level. A whole
0: nother level because you can – it's Yeti Campus Stories, and you can pick which campus that you're on, and you can post pictures, and you can post videos, uh, where the party is, what's happening. Um, and <clears throat> people are being picked off left and right on these college campuses because – nefarious people are on these websites and on all of this they know where to go and so here you are with a bunch of drunk college kids and you know guess what's gonna happen you right. know
1: the bad formula that's right. always existed but now people on the Mag- outside yeah can magnify can out.
0: times a hundred yeah absolutely
1: so obviously the the sites that are operated you know everybody hears about you know what facebook's doing what twitter's doing how are they trying to main you know instagram how are they trying to make sure they're making it the best experience possible to varying degrees of, of success, obviously. What can people do individually to, if you're a parent, how do you monitor? What's the best oper, op, uh, operational route you can go as a parent to make sure you know what's happening with your kids' phones? Because, as you point out in the session, there are ways to hide things within your own phone. So, Absolutely. But start with the monitoring side. We can get we come back around to the idea of what you need to look for on a phone if you're concerned. Yeah. So
0: um, the great app that I just found out about um, – this last week um, was the Bark app, and I've looked into it quite a bit since um, I heard about it, and it is a monitoring system that you can load onto tablets, phones, computers, and um, it monitors a certain number, I forget now, the actual number of social media sites, including YouTube, Um, and it will... Send you messages if there are concerning things happening on your child's um, social media, including self-harm. Um, that's what it's known for the most. Is um, it does somehow whoever built this thing calculated out <laughs> the way to figure out that a child is going to harm themselves or they're being bullied and they they need help and they need counseling or whatever. So Bark monitors all of that. They monitor grooming and, and things of that nature, too. Um, but there's only a certain amount of apps, obviously, that they monitor sure. right now. And if your child knows about it, are they going to be as open on their sure. things? Um, my biggest point in all of this is to talk to the kids, to be have an open line of communication. And as providers, on the other hand, um, as providers, as coaches as teachers and leaders in the community um, we need to be educating ourselves and our kids about the dangers that can happen and not telling them no you can't be on YouTube although I did that Uh, no you can't be on Facebook you know those kind of things not banning them necessarily but and not telling them that this bark is going to monitor their every move but it's a safety net for them.
1: It's another tool and you know, there's plenty of, as you pointed out with that app in particular, there's a, a number of ways electronically to kind of keep tabs on things. But from an ED perspective, the face-to-face, the old-school way Absolutely. of doing things still matters. And I, I think you probably got the sense as well as I did that, you know, from the folks in the room, maybe they could didn't quite think that this is another thing, another that idea that they can, something, something they can talk about with a patient, especially a younger patient.
0: Absolutely.
1: Talk about kind of breaking past that barrier, you know. Like you said in the session, it's not about just going, so what social media are you on so that you can document it and hand it off to a parent, Right. but it's about working in the conversation, understanding how that might correlate to why they're there in the first place.
0: I, um, my conversations that I have with people, I have very awful conversations a lot of times with my forensic um, questioning and histories that I have to do. And um, so my conversations are usually very lax. They're very comfortable. Um, you have to be comfortable about what you're talking about, though. Um, And so I just start off with, you know, like I talked about, I had a girl that was um, in the emergency department who was telling me she said something about her boyfriend. And I said, oh, where did your boyfriend go to your school? You know, like just chatting every day, chatting with her and found out her boyfriend lived in Canada, quote unquote. And uh, I was like, we're in Kansas that's not that's not true um and just knowing um you know just throwing in there like you really think that this guy is the one and you know just playfully talking to them more than like educating and lecturing and you're doing an awful thing right now you know and just like telling them you know just okay continue your fantasy but play safe with it be safe with it and don't You know, here are some of the dangers. But, you know, do what you want to do, I guess. Because
1: you talk about, you know, there's a fine line about being judgmental. Absolutely. And I know from everything that I've learned in the last uh, year and a half or so, you want to walk that line every day and how you're interacting with patients because you can't judge their lifestyle. You can't judge those things because it's going to make the ability to care for them more challenging. Absolutely. This is even more delicate because it, you know, it predominantly is a, a, a younger generation that you're, you're dealing with on these things. But you brought up a good point earlier as well, how this ties into self-harm and right. the increase in pediatrics and, and the likelihood of suicide attempts. Um, what, what sort of, was that a revelation for you to realize how these things are really so intertwined?
0: It really was. You know, thinking about it, I, and I'd seen on the Internet multiple times people talking about, you know, the snowflakes and how this generation is so weak and bullying this. I got bullied every day of my life, and I did fine. But when we got bullied when we were in school, we got bullied at school, and then we went home. Right. And we, we were safe. At home, we had a safe place, um, and this generation today doesn't have a safe place because now all of their information is on social media. Um, they get bullied constantly, and it's a non—it's a never-ending thing, you know. And so we have increases of suicide and pediatric patients from bullying, and most of it cyberbullying. Um, and when you have that never-ending onslaught of information what are you supposed to do because you can't take them off of social media because now they're not connected to anybody, right. and they're completely isolated. Um, but you can't leave them on there because they're being bullied left and right. And so it, it's just a really fine line. And it, when I started learning about that, it really took me back to, of course these kids are having a harder time when they're being bullied. You know, and and again, not being judgmental. It's really hard, you know, being a jaded ER nurse (laughs) to not be super judgmental about things, right? You see the same people over and over and over, and it's hard to not be super judgmental
1: about what happens. So the other thing that comes in this is obviously the generational differences. So the connected generation doesn't understand why you wouldn't want to be connected, and there's a certain age wherever that line falls of people that, well, why would you always want to be connected? Right. And obviously the, from an ED nurse's perspective, uh, you've got that wide scope as well in terms of what your experiences as a personal have been over the years. Um, what is a, you know, a piece of advice that you might have? So, if you are on that a part of that generation that doesn't understand why connectivity is so important, but they realizing the importance of being able to talk to people about this, right. is there is there one thought that you would recommend to them? You know, maybe maybe it's just not being judgmental, but something beyond that to realize that this is a part of their lives potentially, and it's important to at least delve into it as much as you can.
0: I think back to being in high school, and being in middle school, and just that constant wanting to be with my friends, Um, and, you know, we would go hang out on Main Street. I'm from a really small town, so (laughs) hang out on Main Street, or we would go hang out at Sonic, and, you know, that's the same thing these days as being on social media, being on Yik Yak, being on TikTok, being on all these, these sites. Um, it's the same thing. That's how they're connecting with people. And it's maybe not as much of a quote unquote personal connection as what we feel like we had in our generation, but that's, that's all they know. They've never not been connected. They've never not been able to, uh, know information immediately. Um, and so, it's just the way that they were raised. It and so the social, absolutely, social you know, you know, the generation before me was, you know, rock and roll was awful and we we fought that. Right. So, and that, that was the devil and it was going to, it was going to end the world. Now everybody thinks social media is going to end the world and it might, but um, we'll know about it before it happens. Cause they'll do selfies before it happens, but you know, Definitely, I think that looking at it from their perspective and just remembering how connected you needed to be with your friends and how much your friendships meant. And it may not be the exact same feeling from your side of things, but that's, that's exactly what it is.
1: Well, Sarah Evan simpson I appreciate you joining us for the podcast, talk a little bit about your session here at the Spring Regional Symposium in Seattle, and you gave her a shout-out earlier. I'll give a shout-out as well to Rashanda Legault for all her help in arranging this interview and putting together the educational lineup that you're seeing here. If you're in Seattle with us and if you missed out, You can join us obviously later this year in Austin for our biggest educational event of the year and then we'll be back in the regional world in for the fall regional symposium in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Sarah thank you so much for your time. Thank
0: you for having me. And
1: I'm sure that if people want to find you on social media they will unless you're keeping yourself perfectly hidden.
0: I am a little bit hidden. Uh, I'm on Facebook as Sarah Renee. and I'm on Instagram as uh, S E R A five one eight four.
1: And I'm sure that you share your safety tips and, and yes. ways to operate in the best practices Absolutely. on social media there. Yes. So, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. As I mentioned, this was the spring. This is the spring regional symposium in Seattle. I'm Dan Campana. And we'll see you next time on the ENA podcast.